Good morning. I'd like to welcome everyone to our service this morning. First song will be number 747. Number 747. Jesus is Lord, my Redeemer, how He Welcome everyone to our services this morning. If you are visiting, we want you to know that you are our honored guest and we invite you to worship with us as often as you can, whether in person or via live stream. If you're here in person, please fill out an attendance card and place it in the collection plate so that we may have a record of your attendance. A reminder of our times of service our Sunday morning Bible study at 9.30 a.m., worship at 10.30, and Sunday evening worship at 5 p.m., and Wednesday evening worship at 7 p.m. Our deepest sympathy is extended to the Holt family on the passing of Marvin Holt yesterday. No arrangements have been made at this time. Please keep Margie and their family in your prayers. Perfect attendance for August. For the infant class, Sadie Shepard and Willow Moore had perfect attendance. For toddlers, Thad McAlphin. For preschool, Lily Parrish. For kindergarten and first grade, Anna Marie Moore. For second and third grade, Knox Blunt. For fourth and fifth grade, Chloe Blunt, Nathan Farrell and Bryson Albright. For middle school, Leah Rose and Gage Shipman. High school was Ella and Sarah Albright, Jake and Luke Farrell, Emma and Callie Barrett, Kinsey Blunt and Gabby Shipman. We need to congratulate all these young folks on their perfect attendance. There will be Bible, Pro, Bible Bowl practice today at 4 p.m. <clears throat> The elders and deacons meeting has been canceled for this month. The youth and senior supper is this Wednesday at 6 p.m. There is a sign-up sheet on the bulletin board in the foyer if you would like to help with the meal. Our monthly singing at Brookdale is this Saturday. Please plan to arrive at 2.25 p.m. and bring a mask. 
The ladies are invited to a wedding shower for Story and Jose Rosales on Sunday, September 11th at 2 p.m. in the Fellowship Hall. They are registered at Target.com. We will have a fall canvas painting class for ladies and girls, 6th grade and up, on Saturday, September 17th at 5.30 p.m. Potluck with painting to begin at 6.30 p.m. Sign up by September the 9th, and the cost is $5. Lylewood Christian Camp is having their fall retreat for grades 7 through 12 on September 16th through the 18th. You can register online at lylewood.org forward slash applications. There is also a sign-up sheet in the foyer. The men's prayer breakfast on Saturday the September September 17th at 8 a.m. in the Fellowship Hall. The area-wide youth devos will kick off at Stroudsville on Sunday, September the 18th at 5 p.m. Sycamore Chapel Church of Christ Homecoming is Sunday, September the 18th. See the flyer in the foyer for more information. And I have a couple of thank you cards to read. This dear Stroudsville family, thank you so much for all the food, cards, calls, and texts during my recent illness. It is my greatest blessing to be a part of this wonderful church family at Stroudsville. You are the best example of God's commandment that we should love one another. I have missed being with my Christian family here and am so excited to be back. Love, Suzanne Davis. Dear church family, thank you so much for the calls, cards, visits, food, flowers, and prayers. I love you all. Pat Warren. That's all the announcements. We'll now have our reading. The reading this morning will come from Psalm chapter 27, verses 1 through 6. Psalms 27, 1 through 6, and I'll be reading from the NIV. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in his house, in the house of the Lord, all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day, for in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent, and he and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Our song before opening prayer will be number 328. 328. Time is filled with swift transition. None of earth and move can stand. Build your hopes on things eternal. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Hold to God's unchanging Bring if by earthly 
unchanging hand. Oh, to God's unchanging hand, build your hopes on things eternal. Oh, to God's unchanging hand, when your journey is completed, if to God you Pray with me, please. Father in heaven, uh, we are very, very grateful for this opportunity for us to come together uh, in fellowship and worship. Uh, we appreciate all that you do for us, but we are very, very thankful for uh, the opportunities that we have uh, to come together as members in this church. Uh, we want to pray for the ones that are traveling, uh, perhaps because of the holiday. Uh, we ask that you keep them safe uh, and bring them back from their destinations so that they can rejoin us uh, at the next uh, opportunity. Uh, we have several, Lord, as you know, that are either sick or in need of comfort. And you know more than we do, but we want to especially ask that you be with the Hope family as they are grieving and need to uh, get through this process that's so difficult uh, for us here on earth. Please be with uh, Charles Boatwright, Patsy, Patsy Heron, uh, as they recover from their surgeries. We ask that uh, you guide the doctors and the healthcare workers so that they also uh, can regain their strength and perhaps join us uh, as quickly as possible. Uh, please now be with Brother Tom as he brings us the message for today, and we ask that you give him ready recollection so that he uh, can deliver your word and your uh, inspiration that you wish for us to receive. And uh, again, we just want to say thank you for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. To prepare our minds for the Lord's Supper, we'll sing number 160. 160, we'll sing first and last verses. I love the Lord, for he died my soul to save. On Calvary, his dear life he freely gave. From rims above, Jesus freely came tonight that I might live someday with him on high. I love the Lord. He has been so good to Love me, I 
give and compassion freely give. Oh, bless his name. We with him him could live. I love the Lord. He has been so we sacrifice many things. We sacrifice time, money, our talents. At different times of the year, we celebrate those in our military that have sacrificed their lives for our country and our freedoms. Giving one's life for another is, in my mind, the ultimate sacrifice. While I dare say no one goes through their life with the thought of sacrificing their life, Jesus did just that. He came to this earth knowing what the end would be. He came knowing of the suffering that would befall him. He came knowing that this end was only the beginning. As we partake of these emblems in memory of that suffering and sacrifice, we should also be thankful for the new beginning that is afforded to us by Jesus providing a pathway to heaven. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather around your table this morning. Father, we ask that you be with us as we partake of this bread that represents Christ's body that hung on the cross. Father, we pray that we would never forget that suffering and sacrifice that he did on our behalf and the love that he showed by, by going to the cross. And Father, we just thank you for this opportunity. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Let's continue to give thanks. Our Heavenly Father, once again, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for this cup that represents Christ's blood that was shed on the cross. And we thank you for that blood that continually cleanses us. We thank you for the opportunity to gather around your table and, and have memory of the suffering and sacrifice that, that was done on our behalf. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. This concludes the Lord's Supper. We now have an opportunity to, to give back a portion of what God has blessed us with. We pray with you. Father, we thank you for this time to we come together, and we thank you for all that you bless us with. We thank you for all the material blessings that you give us. And as, as we give back a portion of that, we pray that we would do so cheerfully and that these funds would be used to further your works to this church and throughout this community, that you would bless the elders and deacons that as they use these funds, that many souls be brought to you uh, through Stroudsville and, and through our giving. Father, we just ask you to continue to watch over and bless us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
I'd like to mark your song, or song of invitation after the lesson be number 573. 573. For the lesson, that's sang number 634. Six hundred thirty-four. Looking to thee from day to day, trusting thy grace along the way, knowing that thou wilt safely keep all that is thine. Sure of thy soul redeeming love, sure of a crown of life above, singing thy praise, I press along, Savior divine. Looking to thee, trusting thy grace, I am as happy as a true soldier can be. to thee for all I need, finding in thee a friend indeed. All of the burdens of the day meekly I bear. Neither the foe nor storm I fear, Savior be mine, for thou art here. Ready my cares and troubles all freely to share. Looking to thee, trusting thy grace, I am as happy as a true soldier can be. Save what's gone before, I shall with rapture more and more. Praising forever near the bright, beautiful throne. Looking to thee, trusting thy grace. I am as happy as a true soldier can be. Good morning. Got the wireless mic turned on, so I'll be a little bit mobile walking around, but I hope you can hear me okay. It's good to see all of you here today. I know we have several visitors on this holiday weekend. It's always good to have you. We appreciate you being here. We're in the middle of a lesson series we just started recently on Queen Esther. And I find this a fascinating story, and I hope that you'll enjoy this. Lesson two, we did an intro last Sunday. Before I get into the lesson, though, I do want to ask um, your time, just a special prayer for the Holt family, very difficult time in the loss of Marvin. I think you'll agree there was only one Marvin Holt. He was... <laughs> He was a character, and um, we have a lot of funny memories, a lot of good memories of our brother Marvin, and so just be, with, uh, just be mindful of that family, Margie especially, in and, and prayer, and, and with, with Lisa and Susan, and in caring for Margie in this very difficult time, and as they'll be making fuel arrangements, we'll let you know something as soon as we know uh, the details. I do know that they're planning to use Austin and Bell in Springfield. But uh, we'll get you that information as soon as we are aware of the, of the details. But just please keep them in prayer as well as all of the others that are on our prayer list. And we have many who are 
going through serious health issues, recovering from issues, and, and dealing with grief. So uh, that's pretty typical for being on this earth. And uh, being in the church, we have many who have special needs. Esther was quite an interesting young woman. She was a Jewish orphan taken into captivity when she was probably very young. And as an orphan, she was adopted, if you will, by most likely a cousin. Might have been a first cousin. We don't know for sure. We know that her, her uh, relative that adopted her was, was an older gentleman who served as a father role. In the introduction to Esther last week, we gave a quote from Esther 4.14. The highlight of the story of Esther basically is this young woman has an opportunity to stand up and make her faith known and also let a king know that her people were at risk. Mordecai, we'll introduce him in just a moment, says to her, For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows, Mordecai says, whether you've not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Esther, this is your moment. This is a time for you to shine. You have influence. You have an opportunity to come before the the king. And we're going to talk about all these things in the next week or two. It's from Esther 4.14. Mordecai speaks to her. Last week, we spent some time introducing the the story of Esther. Now, if you like a good novel, if you enjoy reading, there's 10 chapters in the the book of Esther, and it really does read like a novel. It's it's like a wonderful book. As the story unfolds, you can see a beautiful young woman who's humble. You can see a loving, caring uncle, if you will, uh, Mordecai, who's caring for her. They're in a strange land, strange languages, strange practices and customs in a very powerful kingdom. But yet, Esther, for none of her own doing, draws attention. And you know why, young ladies, right? Why does Esther draw attention? It's not because of her ability to write poetry. She's not particularly gifted in song, right? She doesn't have an unusual craft ability like sewing or quilting. Meg likes to do that, right? She's beautiful. She's just gifted genetically with beauty. And that beauty gains her attention in front of the king. Let's go back and review very quickly about the book of Esther, kind of what happened uh, the book of Esther is written in the, in the Persian Empire. We think that was somewhere around 535 to 425 B.C., according to F. Lagarde, who did the Daily Bible, the Chronological Bible. These are just estimates we don't know for sure. But think of it this way. When God's people, because of disobedience and idolatry, were taken off into Babylonian captivity... Babylonian captivity lasted for a certain period of time in which Daniel was very much involved. Then we see around Belshazzar's feast, the fall of that Babylonian empire, and the beginning of the Medo-Persian rule, which eventually became the Persian rule. And then you'll see in the next slide the Persian empire. And this Persian empire, which is kind of that mustard brown color, this is a huge kingdom. And if you look over to your right, that goes all the way over to India, it's, it's giant. Uh, and that red arrow you see down toward the bottom of the slide, that's the capital, Susa, where this actually takes place. So think of it as one of the most, or probably the most powerful empire that was in existence at the time. So you have this, you have this orphan girl, this is a Jew in a strange land, surrounded with strange customs and languages. And because she's extremely beautiful... She gets pulled into this beauty pageant. She probably didn't sign up for it. She was ordered to participate. And now Mordecai and, and this young woman, Esther, are in the middle of this, of this beauty pageant because Queen Vashti, we saw last week, had defied the king. You see, he had a great banquet. And, and after a few days of drinking and his heart became merry, 
right? He'd engaged in some wine, and he's like, hey, guys, right? This is modern vernacular. I want you to see the queen. She's gorgeous. She's, wow, I'm so lucky to have such a beautiful queen. I want y'all to enjoy her beauty. Summon the queen, bring her here. She was having a banquet somewhere else, and she says, Queen Vashti says, no, I'm not coming. I'm not going to be your show queen. Don't humiliate me. The answer is no. Well, back in those days, that just wasn't done. The queen didn't say no to the king, especially if you're the king over the most powerful empire in the world. He was outraged. Well, fortunately, the king didn't kill her. He could have. He could have executed the queen for her defiance. But he said, he consulted with people and said, you know what, let's just start a new search for a new beautiful young woman. And so he begins this beauty contest of sorts and uh, looks for a new queen. And that's where, that's where Esther is involved. He wants to see who he's going to select. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to begin the process of a character study as we look at the character. By the way, I, I want to encourage each of you to go and read Esther. You can read it probably in, in less than an hour. It's a great story. But we're going to focus on three main individuals in our next two or three weeks and talk about the main characters in this and and try to do some character analysis or character studies to see what we can learn about human beings, about character, and and what we can draw from God's Word as we look at Esther and Mordecai, and Haman the Agite. So, first of all, Esther. She's going to be our our main character that we look at for the next few weeks. I want to talk about Esther for just a moment. She is a a beautiful young woman. And she's Jewish. She's in a strange land. And and so we'll talk about Esther quite a bit. And you'll see as, as the story begins to develop that there's a lot more to Esther than just what meets the eye. Right? She's a woman of depth and a woman of character and bravery and courage. And, and we're just so impressed as we begin to learn more about her as a young Jewish girl. The next character that we're going to study is Mordecai. Our second character, he's a Jew. We don't really know a whole lot about him, and we're going to read a little about him in just a moment. But he is a close relative of Esther. We mentioned that quite possibly he was a first cousin. Uh, he was sort of a father figure to Esther. When she was left as an orphan, he took her in and became a father to her. He adopted this young woman and, and treated her like a daughter. There was a, a very healthy relationship between the two. He loved her dearly and was caring about her well-being, but she also respected him as a father. Of course, with any good story, you have to have a villain, right? An evil person. And that's where Haman... The Agite, I'm not, I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, a Gagite, maybe, Haman the Gagite. Haman is the bad guy. He's an official who, for some unknown reason, seems to rise to a level of great authority under the king. He becomes like second in command. He has a tremendous amount of power, which matches his tremendous ego and his thirst for power and control over others. Now, I don't know if you've run into somebody like this. Don't mention any names out loud. But maybe you've run into somebody at work that thinks they're all that. Right? Right? They enjoy power. They like to exercise power over other people. And they'd like to let you know that they are in control. Right? I'll give you a minute to think about that. Maybe you've run into somebody like that in, in your life. There are people like that out there. That was Haman. Haman enjoyed his power. He enjoyed the fact that other people would bow in his presence. And he liked the fact that he was given that power and could exercise it over others. Now, I want to talk about Esther for just a few minutes. We're going to focus on a, on a very brief introduction to her character. Turn, if you will, to Esther chapter 2, verse 7. Esther 2, 7. Now, by this time, by this time, we see 
that Esther is one of seven finalists in a beauty pageant. So in the process of being in this beauty pageant, she begins to win favor and gain favor. And in Esther chapter 2, verse 7, which is our next slide, it says, The young woman had a beautiful figure and was lovely. Her mother died. Mordecai took her as his own daughter. Now, here's an insight into Esther. If you drop down to verse 10 in this passage, it says, Esther had not made known her people or kindred, for Mordecai had commanded her not to make it known. Esther, don't tell anybody that you're a Jew. Don't tell anybody that that we're basically people from a foreign land. And so I appreciate Esther's submissive spirit, right? She just decided to keep that quiet. Don't let anybody know that we're Jews. But you know, at this point, she had already made it to the top seven in her contestant category. She probably had a pretty good inclination by this time. There was a good chance she was going to become queen. Now, young ladies, I want you to visualize for just a minute, right? You're, a, you're an unknown person, but you're very beautiful. You've gotten the attention of the king. You've now made it to seven finalists, and you've been able to go before the king, and you've gotten all kinds of beauty treatments. And all of a sudden, Esther could have said to Mordecai, but Mordecai, I'm somebody now. I'm going to be queen. I'm, I'm moving up in the world. I've gained the favor and influence of the king. He's, he's listening to me. He's paying attention. And, and all of a sudden, she could have very easily, as a, a beautiful young woman, laid in bed and thought about, Oh, I can see it now. Hot baths and attendance 24-7. Oh, yeah. That's where I'm headed. Massage treatments on demand. Are y'all relating to this? Sounds good. Hair salon, anytime I want to go. Right? She could have thought, this is the life. I am going to look forward to this. But you see, she didn't go that direction. She didn't go that direction. She continued to submit to the advice of her adoptive dad, Mordecai. She didn't go that direction of vanity and letting her beauty deceive her. You see, Esther, I think, was a beautiful person. Her greatest beauty was her character, and that character was inside her. I just want to ask a quick question, and and we need to think about this as a society. What did Esther do to end up in the beauty contest? What allowed her to become a contestant? Think about that for a minute. It was all genetics, wasn't it? She was born that way. She didn't have to do anything. Young ladies, if you're listening to me today, and I know we have several young ladies in our youth group, we have some young ladies present, I want you to remember that we owe you an apology in our society. You see, those of you that happen to be born and and you're beautiful according to the standards of beauty in our society, then you get special treatment. You get special privileges. You get special attention. You get the attention of people that take pictures and advertise. And sometimes beautiful young women end up in our magazines and their beauty is flaunted, but their character is ignored. And for that, I want to offer you an apology. Because as a society, we have put an emphasis on the wrong thing when we see beauty. It's all about beauty and not the inner beauty and the character of young women. And those are the things that we should stress in the church and in our schools and in our home. And so that's why I appreciate Esther as a a young woman. She showed not only that she had beauty on the outside, but she had beauty inside as well in her character. In Proverbs chapter 31 and verse 30, I appreciate this passage. It says, charm is deceitful and beauty is is passing. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. 
we need to remind you, young ladies, that it's not about external beauty that makes you valuable in God's eyes. It's about your inner beauty and your character as demonstrated by Queen Esther. You may recall that Samuel had a task of going to choose a new king. We know that King Saul had fallen out of favor with the Lord because of his choices and decisions. And so Samuel was dispatched in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, to pick among Jesse's sons. Jesse lined up all of his sons in a row. And Samuel, as is expected, kind of evaluated each one, looking at the sons, going, you know, this one looks like he could be a king. That one looks like he could, he could possibly be a king. But the Lord sent a message to Samuel in the selection process. He says to Samuel in Samuel 16, verse 7, The Lord does not see as man does. For man sees the outward appearance, but the Lord sees the heart. Young ladies, I want you to remember that's very important. When the Lord looks down and considers your value, it's not your beauty. It's not your charm. It's not how perfect your eyes are and how pretty your hair is. While those are important, and we want you to look attractive, obviously, it's not about the beauty of a person that God values. It's the character. It's, it's the beauty inside. And so remember that God wants to know about your character inside. He wants to know about your heart. Young ladies and young men, both. Character is so important. And I hope that your parents will continually remind you that what God values is the beauty of the character inside. Esther showed a quiet humility. She was obedient toward those who were her advisors as well. And in this, in doing this, she won favor of those around her. And eventually she won the heart of the king, I think because of her wisdom and her inner beauty and her charm. Now, it didn't hurt, let's be honest, that she was a very beautiful young woman in form. She got the king's attention, but I think in time the king began to love her for who she was inside as well. Now, chapter 2, verse 20, it's repeated again about her that Esther had not made known her kindred. Now, kindred, you may notice K-I-N. Kin means relatives. Her kindred, that she was not related to Mordecai. She didn't share that with anybody. But Mordecai was very interested in her well-being. It says her kindred or her people, the fact that she was a Jew in nationality. She didn't make that known to the king or anyone else for that matter because Mordecai had told her. Esther obeyed Mordecai just as when she was brought up by him, Esther chapter 2, verse 20. Now, I want to shift over in the remaining time to our two final characters. One is Mordecai. So we're going to read chapter 2, beginning in verse 21. All right, here's where we are in the story. Esther is now in the top seven, soon to be queen. So Mordecai is walking around the, the gate of the temple, right? He can't go inside the king's temple or, or the uh, area where the nobility are, but he's walking around the gate right there where the town people can, can see the entrance of the king. And he's finding out, is, is Esther okay? How's she doing? Tell me, give me an update on how things are going with her because he cares very much. So it says here in, in verse 21 of chapter 2, in those days as Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, Bigthon and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs who guarded the threshold, became angry and sought to lay hands on the king. Aha, there's a plot. There's a plot to kill the king. Mordecai catches wind of it. He hears about the plot at the king's gate. It says that they were going to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. 
And this came to the knowledge of Mordecai, and he told it to Queen Esther, and Esther told the king in the name of Mordecai. Verse 23, when the affair was investigated and found to be so, the men were both hanged on the gallows. And it was recorded in the book of the Chronicles in the presence of the king. Why is that important? You're going to see later as the story develops that this information becomes public knowledge once again to the king, and it puts Mordecai in a very unusual position. Unfortunately, at the beginning of the story, it's forgotten that he did what he did. But yet we know that Mordecai made Queen Esther and the king aware of this impending attack to take the king's life. Now I want to talk about Haman. Haman in chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. So let's turn our Bibles over and see what we can learn about Haman. After these things, King Ahasuerus promoted Haman the Agite, the son of Hamidatha, I'm sorry, Hamidatha, and advanced him and set his throne above all the officials who were with him. And all the king's servants who were at the king's gate bowed down and paid homage to Haman. So here's Haman who's been elevated to second in command. So we see Haman everywhere he goes is receiving homage. People are bowing and honoring him. And he likes this. This is something he expects. It continues in verse 2, For the king had so commanded concerning him, but Mordecai did not bow down or pay homage. All right, let's stop right there. Mordecai is a Jew. He knows according to the Jewish custom and the laws of the land that there's only one who should be worshipped, and that is God in heaven. The same is true today. We should only worship God. But yet Haman wanted those to bow, to acquiesce to him, to worship him almost as a god. Haman, as he walked by, expects Mordecai to bow. Mordecai, he doesn't bow. Nope, not going to bow, not going to worship this man. He's just a man. And this makes Haman furious. Verse 3, Then the king's servants who were at the king's gate said to Mordecai, Why do you transgress the king's command? And when they spoke to him day after day, and he would not listen to them, they told Haman, in order to see whether Mordecai's words would stand, for he had told them that he was a Jew. Very interesting turn in the story here. Verse 5, And when Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow down or pay homage to him. Haman was filled with fury. He disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone. So as they made known to him the people of Mordecai, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews, the people of Mordecai, throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus. And so we see, as the story develops, that Mordecai realizes that he has made Haman angry. Haman has now plotted to kill the people. So as chapter 3 develops, we see this wicked plot of Haman to get back at not just Mordecai, but all the people. So as we close our lesson today, we see Haman, outraged and furious, now going to the king, and he says, if you'll join me here, this is taken from... Chapter 3, there is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the peoples in all the promises of your kingdom. Their laws are different from those of every other people. And they do not see the king's laws so that it is not to them the king's profit to tolerate them. What is Haman saying? Hey, king, you don't need these people. They're very different. They don't even appreciate or respect you. Verse 9, if it pleases the king, let it be decreed that they be destroyed, and I will pay 10,000 talents of silver into the hands of those who have charge of the king's business, that they may put it into the king's treasures. So the king took his signet ring from his hand and gave it to Haman the Agite, the son of Hamadatha, the enemy of the Jews. 
And the king said to Haman, the money is given to you, the people also to do with them as it seems good to you. Now, it's very significant in verse 10 that the king gave the signet ring to Haman. This is basically giving the king's authority. You can enact into law what you want him to enact. And when something is written down and the signet ring is impressed into this uh, declaration or decree, it has become law. So Haman is given a tremendous amount of power and trust from the king. Now, verse three, three, chapter 3, verse 15, The couriers went out hurriedly by order of the king, and the decree was issued in Susa, the citadel. The king and Haman sat down to drink, but the city of Susa was thrown into confusion. Why? What happened? Why did the Jews all of a sudden become a target? And now imagine poor Mordecai. Here he is being defiant of this evil Haman, and he's realized that this defiance and not willing to bow down has put his own people at risk. We're going to end our lesson today with chapter 4, verse 1. When Mordecai learned all that had been done, Mordecai tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the midst of the city, and he cried out with a loud and bitter cry. You know what I was thinking? Mordecai's probably thinking, I single-handedly have destroyed my people. I have brought this on my people. What can we do? Well, we're going to continue this lesson next week, but I want you to realize this, that even today around us, in our society, in our own community, we have young people that are like Queen Esther, good people, women of character, that fear God. We have Mordecai's that are respectful of God, that give their allegiance and loyalty to God alone, and don't bow or acquiesce to men who are power hungry. And yes, even in our society and around us today, we have evil Hamans who exist, who want to enforce their power and put other people under their control, who have the power and authority to destroy others because they are corrupt and power hungry. I want to offer an invitation today to let you know that God is constantly looking into each person's heart. How's your heart condition today? Are you like Esther? Are you beautiful on the inside, trying to please others and be respectful of God? Are you caring for others like her uncle Mordecai? Or are you a person who is into power and control like evil Haman? God knows your heart, and so we're going to sing this invitation song today and ask you to come if you need to confess sin, if you need prayer, if we can encourage you any way in your walk with the Lord. We want to invite you to come while we stand. Brian?
love was for you. Now watch and wait. Terrible thought to cry too late. Jesus, I come to Appreciate each of you being there this morning. I'd like to invite you to be back with us tonight at five o'clock for evening worship. Any other final announcements? Not our closing song will be number uh, be light the fire. <clears throat> I stand to praise you, but I fall to my my spirit is willing, but my flesh is so weak. Light the fire in my soul, and the flames make me whole. Lord, you know. announcement uh we have the men's prayer breakfast on september 17th at eight o'clock in the fellowship hall so all men are invited and this is just a la carte you just bring your own breakfast and uh meet uh, in the fellowship hall on the 17th at eight o'clock the other thing we still have openings on the men's retreat set at kentucky dam village on october 14th and 15th we have about 23 men so far uh, we have uh, blocked rooms for up to 30, so we're going to have to give some of those rooms up if we don't get more men uh, to attend. So if you're interested or know a friend that can come with you, another man, uh, please uh, sign up. Uh, we need to have that list by no later than September 11th. Thank you. Please bow with me. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, we honor you, dear Lord. We praise you, and we love you, dear Lord. We pray that we'll let our light shine so people can see our inside beauty, dear Lord. Our character is favorable to you. Dear Lord, please forgive us of our sins when we fall short. Dear Lord, please be with the ones that of our number that aren't here, that weren't able to make it. We pray that this service was done according to your will and your word, dear Lord, and please forgive us if it wasn't. Dear Lord, please bring us back at the next appointed time. In your son's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat>